Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan. I'm talking, walking and often swimming in this marvellous county, sharing news and views with fellow enthusiasts. Also, if you want to explore further Inside Yorkshire, check out the video content and see why I fell in love with this area. It's available on the Patreon page, Susan Inside Yorkshire. The link is in the show notes and I look forward to having you come in and join us. I don't think that many of us envisaged a situation where food banks would become such a necessary provider of support in our local communities. The definition of poverty has shifted as we struggle to appreciate that even some in full-time employment face the choice between eating and heating their homes. We're fortunate in Richmondshire to have a wonderful team working to help those in need to make ends meet extending the service as far afield as Penrith, Bishop Auckland and Barnard Castle too. In this episode, we learn about the sterling work being coordinated by the team in Richmond. So I'm sitting today in the Influence Church talking to Peter, Peter Heslop. Is that the correct pronunciation, Peter? It is, absolutely, yeah. And really, just just here to find out a bit more about what it is that you that you do here, this marvelous service that you offer locally. Yeah, awesome. No, that's great. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Um, so yeah, a little bit about us. My name's Pete Heslop, as you said. Um, I am the community manager here at Influence Church. So my job is to be a part of our community projects and oversee and lead those. So these are things like our uniform bank, our food bank. Um, our baby bundle service and collectively we tend to refer to these as storehouse um, storehouse is our is at our outreach program and it's run for about 10 years now um, so it's great that you're here with us um, really really happy to to share about what we do and the impact that we make in our local community and how we support those who need as much support as, as we can give um, so yeah Hello. great that's great um, I hadn't realized that you've been running that long to be honest yeah yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's a long program that's existed now. Um, I think when we started, one of the things that was really interesting was we we launched as a food bank um, back in 2012. Um, but the, the thing was at the time was that the word food bank wasn't really in people's lexicon, so to speak. Um, typically, I think people knew that there were support networks available and typically thought that that fell to the responsibility of social services and things like that. But certainly locally, the word food bank wasn't something that people understood. And as time's gone by, obviously, um, as, as, the, as the years have gone on and as, as time has, has gone on, sorry, the, um, the word food bank has become more, more common and more known. But at the time when we started, a lot of, a lot of the time people would be like, well, what is a food bank? Why, why is one needed? What, what on earth does a town like Richmond need one for? Um, and in its early years, and certainly in its, its inception, I think there was maybe a feeling that this wasn't something that was, that was truly necessary. But as time's gone on, it's, it's really been great to have the foundations laid 10 years previously. Um, I think also the yeah. social stigma that used to be, there used to be a real social stigma about you actually Absolutely. coming to a food bank. And the fact that it is even necessary now it's so necessary for quite a variety of people. It's not just, 
you know, the people that you would originally expect to need it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, historically, there, there definitely would have been a stigma and there definitely would have been a, a mindset that the public had of, of, you know, people that use a food bank maybe comply to certain ideas or thought processes. But nowadays, I think, and certainly in the last sort of 12 to 24 months, that, that has been really turned on its head. Um, one of the things that we're really passionate about is is explaining to people that the definition of poverty has shifted. It's no longer uh, a select amount of people or under a certain income threshold or in a certain set of circumstances, but more so anyone can be in poverty or in need of support. Um, certainly we see on a weekly basis now we're seeing families and not just um different descriptions of families we're seeing you know your, your, your typical kind of family of four coming in needing support because they've maybe had circumstances change or they've had um, issues arise that are, are very typical and very normal but have thrown their finances and their, their household situations into into chaos and support then needs to be found um, food banks though you know obviously we provide food and we provide a weekly food parcel to people ultimately though that food parcel isn't the, isn't the only solution that we offer. We offer other services, be that through mental health signposting, be that through uh, community uh, activities, be that through even just offering some, just sometimes just a listening ear to people as well. Um, but yeah, typically that definition of people in need and people needing to access food bank services has vastly changed, um, especially over the last two years. And that's it's mind-blowing to see. Um, honestly, the our food bank events on a Thursday that we have here um, where people come and collect it's, it's amazing to see the amount of people at it for a town of Richmond uh, a town like Richmond sorry um, but then also amazing to see the, the diversity of people at it as well um, often I think we make the mistake of, of putting people in boxes and saying oh you know they, they may need to use it or they might need to but ultimately that's not the case it's, it's anyone and everyone who may find themselves in need of a little bit of support every now and again so, yeah. how, how long do you offer the support for Peter? Is there a time limit on it or is it just ongoing? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. So what we do at the moment, and we are currently in the process of a policy change and a policy upheaval, we found with the rising need that we want to meet more need, so to speak. So currently our policy is that people can access our services for a total of eight weeks um, and every week that they come to access our service, they would leave with a eight, with a week's supply of food to see them through the through the week, and that would be for everyone in their household. So, say a family of four, two adults, two children came through the door, we would try and give them enough food to support them for a whole week, um, and they can repeat that process a total of eight times. Um, we're looking at changing that and trying to increase that as much as we can. We, we recognise that there is a greater need at the moment, but we also recognise that while there is greater need, people need greater support as well. We recognise that that's going to give us a lot of strain and there's going to be a lot of pressure for us, but we're excited to, to look at how we can improve that amount to, to bigger numbers and to support people further and longer. Um, typically as well, we partner with... Uh, local supermarkets and shops uh, through programs like Neighbourly and Fair Share. These are like big organisations that organise food, waste food distribution, um, and we give that out at our event as well. So people can access um, bake, end of day bakery bread. Uh, they can access things like, um, so say if Tesco's have some potatoes that have gone out of date, but the 
perfectly fine and perfectly usable they can access them here as well um, I think and it, we get a, a, a vast array of different things um, we frequently offer uh, other items that people can get as well so like household items so like washing up liquid um, you know bleach and disinfectant sprays and things like that and also then sanitary wear as well so anything that anyone could need or there is a financial burden attributed to we try and supply at least some of it to reduce the the expenses cost on on a family or on an individual uh, for the week that they're accessing our services and i guess over the summer holidays there's um there's bigger need for families with children at present totally yeah so we one of the things that we do to try and support that is we partner with another department within our with our, our organization of influence churches our, our children's department so obviously a, as a as a vibrant church we they have a they have a thriving uh, kids kids ministry and a kids team um, but one of the things that storehouse has worked in partnership with that kids team is to deliver a program called stay and play now stay and play sort of uh, ticks a lot of boxes very well because uh, children's activities very often are not free and certainly not free for people if they're working um, so we try and offer activity days throughout the summer holidays that people can come to completely free of charge but on top of this and on top of all the crafts and the fun and the free lunches and things like that we also try and offer um, food parcels to families as well um, and they tend to look like breakfast supplies because you know if you've got children in the house they'll, they'll eat you out of house and home but we also recognize that typically mm. kids will be getting breakfast throughout the week whether they're going to school or not. So we also try and include as much lunchtime food as we can or evening meal food to, to sort of help in that situation. Um, so often we'll try and give out masses of pasta and bolognese sauce and things like that um, to families just so that they can have a little bit of support over the summer holidays knowing that their food bills will be up because their children are at home. Um, and the community aspect as well is a massive thing with these stay and play events. Um, it was interesting at the last event that we did I had a mum come over to me and say you know it's just so great that there's somewhere where we can come and hang out with our school friends uh, with, with her daughter's school friends um, and I really thought you know that there's a great element of that that I think as much as we can supply food as much as we can supply support and as much as we can supply other things that ultimately sometimes people really just need community mm. um, and in my role as a community manager and managing our community outreach projects I see that so often that actually um, people need that that community aspect of it's, it's friendship it's conversation it's it's sometimes just being in a room with other people um, and it's amazing how much that can lift people's spirits and it can elevate uh, elevate them out of the situation they find themselves in so yeah that's, that's something I, I think yeah I think over the last couple of years I think that's something that people really missed when we were yeah. all fairly well isolated at different times and it was a, a big issue some places have come together more I've, I've noticed where you know um, further up the dale there's a lot more sort of outreach and community spirit within the villages although it always it always was but not as much as it currently is now which is a one of the minor positive aspects of it all absolutely yeah and we've started doing similar here we've one of the things that we've put on um at our food bank for example is we now have a cafe style uh, program that runs alongside it so while people come in they access our services you know they have a conversation with one of our team to to prepare like you know obviously explain their dietary needs explaining their circumstances and and have that conversation where it signposts any other support that they can get locally we also have our cafe 
um, where people can come and they literally can sit with a cup of coffee while they wait for their food parcel to be brought out um, and they can just have a conversation with some of our team um, who will signpost for support and services but more often than not what we're finding is that people are just happy to have a conversation mm. um, it's, it's crazy because often I think um, Yorkshire is known so well for being like this really personable place there's that that old joke isn't there of a Yorkshireman goes on the tube at London and horrifies everyone because he's there saying hello to everyone but as much as that's maybe a stereotype I think often that we that we have people locally that maybe don't have that so I'm, I'm passionate about making sure that people can have a conversation and they can just be themselves and you know they can express and vent uh, their, their situation because often that that, that old saying the problem shared is a problem halved is such a true thing and seeing people come into our food bank and just being able to have a chat is just something that that I cherish and I think that they that they really benefit from as well so yeah I know um, well you're saying that this is on Thursdays what about the rest of the week yeah totally so as as a food bank we we operate on a Thursday um, and that's our main time that people can come in and access hours what hours four till six p.m. that right. we're open and um, so it's like an evening like an early evening to like mid-evening sort of time and um, during the week we have um, various other things happening, so this so that program tends to be quite varied. So this week we've had two stay and play events in the area. Then we've also had a uniform bank for school uniform and, and things like that. Um, typically throughout our week, though, we we also have volunteers come in. They're processing and um, sorting delivery uh, and donations that have been given to us. So that's any kind of food, um, that's food waste and things like that as well, um, and then. All, we also have bag makers, so people making bags up for our community when they come in to collect. So many different things happening. Um, as a church, we have other programs available as well. So we have our youth and kids programs that happen, and we have our Sunday services as well. So really sort of busy program, um, and a lot of it aimed at reaching out to the community, speaking to um, speaking to people, and just trying to basically be available to, to offer help and support in whatever way that that way shape or form that that I may look like Mm. so So it's quite a busy time for you then I know you did say about the uniform bank which is is great so people can come here and donate um, second hand uniform isn't it mainly on the the, the uniform bank so we get a mixture as well so it's really great so we've had we had our donations come in and honestly at one point our um our stage area in our church was was completely full like you couldn't it was so full you could you couldn't walk through it it was that dense in in donation um but we have a fantastic team um who process it saw it uh, ready for our uniform event that was that was last week and they they put it all out ready on display um the some of it was second hand and so that we mm. partner with local schools as well so what we tend to find is that local schools will issue us their lost property which is oh. which is brilliant um i do feel sorry for those that maybe didn't get into look quick <laughs> enough um but the school do send letters and they send plenty of notice and warning that this is what will happen at the end of the school year so if it's still there at the end that's where it goes so we had a fantastic array of coats and jumpers and things like that donated from the schools um, but alongside that, some people are really passionate about making sure that there's some new stuff as well. So we had a fantastic array of new school shirts um, and some new jumpers and dresses and all manner of things like that for primary and secondary age children. Um, the best thing about it is is that, that there's many p- different reasons people access that. So there is 
financial absolutely there's uh, people who see the financial need uniforms cost over 300 pound for a secondary school student nowadays and that is a big pinch on a, on a family if you've got more than one child in secondary school that's it's a, it's a lot it's a family holiday you know mm. a lot of uk holiday isn't it so the the reality is there's people that come in for financial but then there's also people that come in for environmental reasons as well um, and I think that's a really wise thing. You know, ultimately, it doesn't always have to be brand spanking new. You, mm. you can have secondhand uniform be just as good as brand new uniform. It's maybe had a little bit of life in it, but you know, especially for single children who maybe don't have the benefit of hand me downs. I was, I was raised in a family where I was given my. Co- I didn't have an older sibling, but I had an older cousin, and all my cousins' hand me downs were given to me. Um, so I'm no stranger to that and I think that for single children as well sometimes it's great to be able to come here and receive uniform without the financial burden attached to it but even without the environmental impact as well mm. a lot of these jumpers nowadays are made with synthetic fibres synthetic materials you know there's a big cost to the environment just chucking them away or sending them to, to landfill so mm. it's great to see it um, I, th- I think as well for the people that are donating I'm a bit I'm quite happy to sort of clear out things but anything that's still got a good life in it I don't like yeah. putting it in the bin so the charity shops are doing quite well too aren't they they are yeah, yeah. The, the charity shops I think they they do really well out of it um, the thing is is that uniform typically isn't accepted by charity shops mm. um, and I think the reason being is because if they did accept it they would just end up wall to wall and I think there's maybe an, an, a side to it where they don't want to charge financially for school uniform because it which is good mm. it's yeah it's, it's sort of you know they're combating poverty but they don't want to be a part of poverty locally as well like mm. generating poverty so to speak so i think uniform banks doing it is great because we you know we, we have no financial agenda whatsoever with so it. there's no there's there's nothing no cost to anyone that Not wants anything and that's the thing that we're really passionate about we work in partnership with local organizations uh, local donators local supporters um to generate finance to to cover this is you know there's many aspects of it so for example yes the uniform comes in but obviously the uniform's in the building it's got to be housed there's business rates there's rent there's all manner of things like that that we have to cover and so and our partners understand that and they they help us with the financial element of that and we also try and pad out our donations as well so one thing that we we never get any donation of is things like stationery now, if you go on online and have a shop around for a decent math set, you know, compass, pencil, protractor, and all of those kind of things, there's a cost attributed to them. Revision guides, hugely expensive items. We try and help help with the cost of them if we can. We try and help support these other costs, which don't fall into the school uniform bracket, but very much a student, if they want to thrive in school, probably needs. Um, we try and help with the financial burden of that. Um, so do you take donations for that sort of thing yeah, as well? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we tend That's to... That's good to know. We tend mm. to... We'd accept the donations of it physically if it's there. Typically, we find that it's easier for us to buy it in wholesale. So mm. typically, we said what we suggest to people is if they're thinking of making a donation in that form, if they can provide a box of it, perfect. If not, sometimes it's easier just to say, if you can donate to us in, in finance, that's that's really what welcomely received. We found as well, so for our food bank, for example, um, physical donations make up, they used to maybe make up about 60 to 70% of our of our outgoing food. Mm. Now it's probably more like 40%. And there's so many reasons that are attributed to that. There's the financial element of people maybe aren't donating to food banks because they're feeling the pinch themselves. Um, and there's also the element of our need is so much higher because people are accessing our services too. Um, what we tend to find though is that we, when we buy, we go wholesale. Um, so we enjoy the, the retailer discounts. Um, and it's not great that we're in a position where we spe- we, c- we can spend enough that we 
warrant the, the access to wholesaler purchase. Um, it's often it's interesting when um, when we go to our wholesalers and we're in there, we'll often spend over a thousand pounds at a time. Um, to the tune of the of the staff in there, often laughing at the fact that like you're spending more money than some of the corner shops locally are, and they'll, they'll often make jokes and comments about that. But honestly, the the need is there, and therefore our expense is there that we have to we will cover that. Um, Where do you get the income from them, Peter? So the income that we get, there's a few different sources. So we have some amazing supporters locally, um, and I, I love highlighting these people because they they financially support us through thick and thin they know and see what we're doing we release stats every year to them and release them publicly as well um, but our local our, our local supporters um, will, will often donate finance either on a regular basis which is really helpful for us especially when we're buying things on a regular basis that if we know we've got a regular pattern of income it, it's such a support for that um, but then we also have charities organisations um, Organisations locally, uh, like community groups, for example, often will will partner with us and say, you know, we'd love to to do that. We had one locally recently who bought a load of um, Moses baskets for us. Um, in our baby bundles program, they're one of the most expensive things that we buy. Um, they often are about forty pound a piece. So to have a community group say, we'll buy a dozen of them for you, such a financial alleviation for us. It's it's amazing. Like, it frees us up to do other things, and it also helps us know that for the next dozen people that access our baby bundle service they can they've got a Moses basket ready for them um, we've already given out almost all of them already and that was only two <laughs> so, months ago so, so what's what is in a baby bundle then so a baby bundle is a so we partner with community midwives um, and baby bundle is basically for a vulnerable mother um, or parent who has, has got a new baby that's just come out of hospital and they need support in the early earliest stages of um, of that child so what we what we typically offer is we usually put them in a Moses basket hamper or a plastic bath, um, depending on what the request of the mother is or parent, um, and we often then will fill it with clothes, nappies, some treats, some, um, some you know maybe some formula, various different things that would be beneficial um, to to the family um, that would support that child. So we typically target this exact around the range of not to three months. Um, and it's a first point of contact, um, sorry, a first a first time um, support package. So it's basically there to to be there to be support to be there for the for the mother on the first on the first instance of having a baby. Um, beyond that, there are other organisations locally that support beyond the three month period. But we just recognise that that was a gap that was really helpful for us to mm. support. Um, the, the hospitals used to actually give out. Uh, give out a package to everybody not just totally. anyone in, in need I don't know if they still do that no I don't think they do um, so the, the part of the reason that we put this in place was to issue out that support mm. um, what we recognised as well was that we wanted this to go to people who, who were in the most need for it and it wouldn't not for it to be universal and while universal is nice unfortunately universal is really expensive um, and we recognise and unnecessary and unnecessary yeah there's, mm. there's often times where you think well if someone doesn't need it, it you know if you leave people the choice to, to say oh I'll take it or not often mm. you'll find that those that do, don't need it will take it and those that do need it may not be able to take it because everyone else has taken it so what we, we devised we didn't want to be judge, jury and execution ourselves we, we are not there to, to judge people's circumstances and people's situation and people's finances we, do, we don't want to be doing that and to be honest there's not enough hours in a day for us to do it so what we, we said and what we came up with was saying, well, you know what, there's people who work really closely with these families that know, they just know in their hearts whether it's mm. right or wrong for them to have it. 
and they're the community midwives and they do a fantastic job you know they're, they're out night and day like like working their hearts out and putting their hearts into the community and we thought well do you know what it's, it's a useful uh, bow to, for them to have to be able to say actually do you know what you really need some support let me work let me get that for you so we we put it out to the midwives and say you know if if you need that if people need that then let us know and we can put that that too and we now do this across the north of England as well so we've got various different locations where we're doing this out of ranging from Penrith um, oh, really? all the way to County, into County Durham as well so we've got various different areas that we do it so it's a big it's a big thing that we do but it works perfectly in the sense that it, it partners with with people who have a, an inert knowledge of whether or not someone will need it um, and then we we issue it out happily because we know that it's coming from that source and we know that they're thinking carefully about it um, they, they are limited though we you know ultimately the, we reckon that the cost to a, a full baby bundle is probably somewhere in the region of about £100 mm-hmm. um, since it started in 2019 we've given out over 180 of them uh, so the ultimately you know, this, if, you, if, you, if we were to buy everything in them it would be nearly £18,000 that we'd have spent but amazingly we have some amazing people locally who partner with us who donate specific items and we're very very niche about what we put in we we, we will take baby items in um but obviously if they're, they're tarnished if they've been if they're if they're soiled if they're no good we, we tend to reject them mm. um, because we don't know the circumstances of that of that child's birth as well we don't know if uh, if dad's around we don't know if there's been issues with with mum so anything that has like identifying things on it you know say it's like i have an amazing daddy or mm. um you know sometimes you get baby girls that are with that have military regalia on them we we reject items like that and, and while that might seem a little bit wasteful it's it's being conscious of that that we don't know that child's situation mm. um and what we don't want to do is is give them something that's that's it's really helpful but then also inflammatory, mm. yeah, because then there's nothing worse than, than upsetting someone in that process so we, we'd rather just be really supportive give out some really nice plain goods um do you get some donated from any of the um, suppliers of, of baby clothes, that sort of thing? We haven't really asked. It is something that we're aware of doing um, because often they will they will do it. But what mm. we've found is that what we receive locally is more than sufficient for our yeah. need. Um, the, honestly, we when we put a Facebook post out, so like when we advertise that we need baby clothes, we only do it very, very seldomly. And the reason being is because when we put that post inundated, out, we end up with more than we need, and mm. we end up with a year's supply in a week. So mm. you'll see on our on our social media typically that we don't put that information out there to say, "Oh, we're looking for baby clothes," purely because the amount that we get is terrifying. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, and that's the thing we we know that we only want to take in as much as we need um, mm. occasionally. Because the even though like for 2019 to 2022 we've done 180 hampers uh, bundles um, over the course of three years that's like one a week essentially that we're mm. doing so and that's across the north of England as well so that the reality and, and is, managing is, it would be horrendous oh, yeah. and so you've got we, too much if we ended up with five years supply uh, <laughs> in back stock we and that's the thing we have to be wise of space we don't have in, we don't have a massive warehouse where we can just put stuff in boxes and say oh well we'll keep that for five years ultimately we have to be really tactical about what we store um do you store it all here at the church yeah so we have uh, three locations of church that we have storage at so we have stuff in um in influence church richmond and um, we 
partner as Influence Church Barnard Castle with the local Methodist church in Barnard Castle and store stuff there. And then we have a, a location of church in Penrith, Cumbria, where we, we store some stuff as well. So across three locations, we're storing, we're storing food, um, baby clothes, uh, uniform, stationery, all manner of different things. Uh, but often we're, we're wise to what we mm. keep because we know that ultimately we have to we have to be mindful that if, if winter comes and people are using the food bank more and we haven't got space because we've got 100 school uniforms in the back <laughs> it, it becomes a juggling act um, mm. and, and often we're, we're seasonally wise to what we keep in so at the moment we've just finished our uniform bank so there's loads of space on the shelves but that's getting filled with food ahead of winter um, so that when uh, the winter need strikes and certainly with the rising cost of, of energy we're going to see a, a much higher need in the food bank that we've actually got sufficient stores to, to then be able to support the people that access us. Um, so when you're saying there are three different locations, do they all run the food banks out from them or is it just here? So, no, it's a good point. No, we've got two of the locations run food banks. Um, sorry, we have th- three locations that run food bank services. So hmm. Richmond and Barnard Castle, we have food banks in. And then on top of our Penrith location, we also have our Bishop Auckland location and they have a... Um, what's called a breakfast scheme program which is very similar to a food bank but it's breakfast supplies only and they're actually doing a fun day there today and as we speak right now they're they're having a family what's called a family brunch and so it's where like young families of uh, family well families of any age really can come down they can have a they can have a brunch uh, through that program and then also receive some breakfast and food supplies um, off the back of it as well so mm. really busy event they pre-booked for it and they had uh, they only had 50 slots available because that was the, the budget that they were working to completely sold out within a week um, so really sort of there's a lot of need um, mm. and sometimes it's and one of the things that we're really mindful of is actually meeting that need as best we can um, as, you, as, you, as you were saying that one of your one of your more recent ones you were out in half an hour away with the food packages. Totally, yeah. So for uh, so even well this week um, mm. when we issue we pre-make food parcels for for fat for everyone that comes in. So there's single people, families, couples, whatever it is that whoever it is that's accessing our services, we pre-make some packages up ahead of ahead of schedule so that when people come, the queue isn't down the street and out the door. Um, one of the disadvantages of our location is that there's limited parking so we mm. try to be a little bit efficient with, with people just so they don't get a ticket or anything like that um, but one of the problems that we have is that demand is so high at the moment that within 30 minutes all of our pre-made parcels went um, and we make parcels ahead of well, we, we anticipate what the need will be based off the last few weeks based off of what we know is happening um, sometimes we have referrals from the job centre and other uh, statutory organisations locally um, that will feed into it so we have a, a rough figure in our heads of what we reckon it'll be so for that figure to be out the window in 30 minutes of opening is sometimes a little scary so, um, what, so what would you do in that situation can you make them up on yeah. the spot oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so people are not it, people who have a need would still be supplied totally. with something yeah yeah people mm. we, no one will ever walk away from us not accessing our services um, mm. it just means they have to wait a little longer so to make up a food parcel from our warehouse like I, well, I call it a warehouse it's really a store cupboard um, <laughs> that to make up a food parcel from there it typically takes us about 10 minutes or so um, it's not a long wait but when there's 20-30 people behind them it can become quite intense um, mm. so yeah, we just try to mitigate that a little bit um, just so that people don't 
feel the rush uh, certainly in our foyer area obviously with our cafe going and things as well there's, there's plenty for people to, to not have to you know not just stood waiting for, for time can to go have by a, have a hot drink and wait absolutely and, chat, a, and, and a chat and, and a chat so. and that's really mm. beneficial to them um, but it, it's just being mindful that we want to mm. try and and keep people you know we don't we don't want to have people stood waiting for ages so no, sure. yeah it's and that's the thing when when the need is high we're, we're never going to be able to make up enough packs in the week ahead of time but as long as we make as much of an effort to to do that as we can um that would be perfect mm. how long have you been actually doing this yourself peter so i've been involved in different elements of sort of working within the community for, for a long time um, in terms of running the food bank that's been a relatively new thing that's been since January of this year mm. um, I have however been involved in our sort of youth programs and young adults things and various different things from from probably about 2015 2016 right. so uh, a while in in different areas but in terms of actually leading and running our food bank yeah January the coordination aspect of it I mean really I don't think people appreciate just what's involved no no it's interesting because we, man- we manage teams across the north of England in various different uh, capacities so in Richmond alone we have a team of about maybe 40 volunteers um, that make our food bank program happen and that's people that are either helping on the night that's people who are collecting food that's people who are um, like picking up bread and different things like that that are all um, that are all happen- that are all there um, mm. you know, that, that fo- it really takes a village to make that happen you know 40 volunteers are um, when, when spread throughout different areas and different responsibilities they, they sometimes there isn't enough um, mm. it costs in, in other, other locations such as Barnet Castle Penrith Bishop Auckland there's different numbers but it's, it's always similar in the sense of that they've got many different people playing many different roles um, we have a few people that are on staff for us as well so we have a few part time staff um, that they typically they typically work um, way more hours than they're paid and that's the thing there's a commitment there um, from from our team um, they know that there's a lot of need and they want to play a huge part in trying to help it um, obviously the, the operational management of that falls really does fall to them but often they're, they're working full time and being paid part time so um, <laughs> yes. it's a challenge but it, it, honestly it's, I think when you start to see the benefit and see the, the, the support that people mm. receive there's, there's no amount of financial remuneration that would ever cut that no, anyway, and so. I think yes I think emotionally the, uh, the feeling that you're doing something worthwhile and positive is is very good for the individuals too for people that can do it yeah no absolutely mm. that's the thing in the i mean obviously you're very busy the rest of the week but what would happen say for instance if somebody on a monday was desperate for something would they still just come in absolutely so we tend to try and point and work with local organizations to say try and get people to come on a thursday as best you can um, we, uh, especially with having staff that are on part-time hours, we, we can't always guarantee that there'll only be anybody in the building, and that's sometimes a problem. So that's why we have fixed hours. If the situation is is really dire, so for example, a few nights ago, my wife and myself we we delivered a donation. I mean, we, did, we typically we do not do deliveries, but mm. the, the circumstances around it, and certainly the nature of, of the of of the situation, warranted that that would, that was the right call to make. Um, so typically we, we, we are flexible but we're flexible when it's when it's right um, mm. 
sometimes it means that we have to be a little a little blunt sometimes we have, not blunt maybe is the wrong word but we have to be um respective of your own of your own hours as yes, well yes and that's the thing it's it's it's, diff- it's a difficult one to, to find a balance with and so what we tend to say is we don't have a strict definition on it mm. um, but what we say is that you know if it's possible please come to our thursday program if it absolutely isn't and there will always be people where that isn't the case then we work we work within that as well you'll do the best um, you can yeah often mm-hmm. what you'll find though as well if, if people are known to social services so in in richmondshire if they're known to like the housing options team if they're known to the earlier support departments if they're known to these organizations often those organizations do have an emergency budget as well mm. so typically accessing us is a last typically well we, we always say that food banks should be accessed as a last resort anyway um but the the nature of, of often people getting in contact with us is, is usually through various statutory bodies like themselves, like mm. like, like social services, or, or etc. And therefore, when they access through that way, there's often support in place for out-of-hours care anyway. Mm. Um, typically, though, say, we sometimes deal with homeless individuals, for example, who haven't accessed that service yet. So what we would do is we would provide initial support and then also assist in signposting them to the right department or the right team that would be able mm. to help them. And we've recently done that um, with people where we've had to, where, we, where we've laid the groundwork for them going to access those services, um, which often is on its head. You often expect them to go to them and then be pointed to us, but often, mm. and more often than not, and I think this is the thing where food banks are gaining notoriety and traction and understanding in the community, is that people are coming to us First. before they go to mm. the, the appropriate body. So. Um, sometimes it's just helping people and point them in and, and point mm. them in the right direction, saying, you know, you will get way more out of this department because mm. you know they're designed to help your situation. They're designed to to house you. You know, we we can give you many things, but a house is something that is just outside of our budget, unfortunately. Um, so often we find ourselves in that position where we're we're signposting to the correct department, and, and at the same time we, we never leave anyone empty-handed. You know, if they come mm. through our doors and they're, you know, um, we had a gentleman last week who came in left with a sleeping bag, a tent, and food. And food for himself as well um, and that was the, the right call for that moment um, they were the items that he needed um, and therefore you know we made sure that he left with them as well uh, and then obviously subsequently being referred to the correct housing team and is now an emergency accommodation so mm. some, it's just making sure and understanding that the council offices aren't always open but we'll support people as best we can with the mm. resources that we have as well sure um, sure so even providing that then that's that's um, tremendous the for anyone listening who wants to um, help in any way, what would be their first? Let's say an individual or who wanted to help yeah. with this, what would they do? So there's a few different things that they can do. If they want to make a donation, um, they can drop it off at our donation points. Um, so we have, if they go on our website, which is influencechurch.co.uk/storehouse. Um, they can see a map of where all of our local donation points are. So we have some amazing points in Richmond, Catrick, and, and areas local to that as well. Mm. Um, but then also, if they wanted to get involved in helping us, we're always on the lookout for people that can help with our collections and things like that. That's a, one area that we really struggle with, is, and especially nowadays with fuel and things costing so much, mm. is that having people be able to help collect food from the outside, sort of the, the surrounding area, and bring it into our food bank is, is something that we're, we're desperate for, really. So if there, if there are people that are eager for it, they can do that as well. 
Um, and if they want, if they, if they want further information, they can find us online either on that website that I said before, or on Facebook if they search for us as Storehouse. Um, and if they want to get in touch that way, they can send us a message through there. Um, mm. There's other ways of getting in touch. Obviously, on the website, there's a little get in touch form as well. They can fill it out, fill out on there, um, and that'll that'll get sent to us as well. But for the most part, yeah, social media or, mm. or our website are the best place to find. I'll, I'll get all of those details from you and put them in Perfect. the show notes so that oh, people can find that. Yes. And for for people who are in need of, of your services, then they would... I mean, some of them may not have social media. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so the, there's many different outlets that they can find, find our support through. So obviously they can come here and self-refer themselves between four and six on a Thursday. If they need food support, then they can totally do that. Um, if they don't know if they'd meet... So we do have some eligibility criteria. Mm. That, that really is just them evidencing the need that they may have as well. So if, if they feel that they want to chat to somebody before that, they can speak to any kind of support network they have around them. So we work in partnership with so many different groups locally, mm. but people like the Citizens Advice, Job Centre, um, Social Services, um, even midwives through our baby mm. mothers, where they know about our food bank service as well. Um, so whoever it is that they they may know that, that they're in contact with, they can have a conversation with them and say, you know, do you think I should go? Um, and they, nine times out of ten, they'll just say, yeah, mm. go. Because <laughs> mm. often, if you think you need help, you probably do need help. Yes. Um, but the the reality is, is they can pop. They just need to pop in. Mm. Um, if if that's an issue, or if there's there's problems around that, they can totally get in contact with us um, online if they can. Um, they can contact us through our landline as well. However, they however they they can mm. make contact really. Um, sure. There's all of that information is available if if they need it, and I'm sure we can pop it in. Yeah, we'll we'll below. we'll put it in the in the um, show notes for it all. Yeah, yes. However, no. however, however works for them. We we try and be mm. on as many platforms as we can so that the people can reach out to us. Really. So. Now I I'm based further up the Dales. Yeah. Do, what sort of area do you cover? Do you go all the way up there? So yeah, we have. Um, so we have clients that come from as far as from, from much further afield, and we have people that come out from the sticks and up the Dale and, and all kind of places like that. And um, we don't we don't put a limitation on. On postcode, oh, really, really mm. but we typically say, you know, we're we're a Richmond food bank, we're servicing Richmond Shire, really, mm. um, is what we what we suggest. Um, if people want to come from further afield, that's fine. But often, so say for example, we have we have had people access us from Darlington before, and what we've typically said to them is that you know there's some amazing food banks in your locality that'll do a much better job and will save you a fortune in travel because we don't travel deliver costs. typically. Mm. So um, often we'll signpost to a closer organisation if we know of one. Um, mm. But we don't. We typically don't discriminate people on the postcode. I think there's an, there's enough problems in the world without having to <laughs> nitpick and choose yeah, where you, sure. where you, what areas you service and what areas you, you mm. cover. So yeah, if, it, to be honest, if someone's in Yorkshire and they need help, then yeah, we we totally try and offer as much service as we can. And um, if you can't, you'll point them to somebody else yeah, who we, can do. We, we we know food banks locally are quite tight knit organisations, so there's a lot of communication between them. So. Mm. Typically, if, if we can't help, we know of food shares, we know of food banks, we know of open pantries that may be closer to them and probably offer a better level of support than we could at a distance. Because mm. uh, that's the thing. By the time they've travelled in, there's a cost attributed to that. Mm. It then becomes the question of like how much could they have saved by accessing something closer. So often we, we try and, and point them in those in the correct direction rather than, than just mm. simply saying, oh, yeah, come in, it'll be fine. Um but equally, if someone's passionate about wanting to come in and saying, look, you know, I really don't want to access that. So, you know, sometimes there may be a reason for that. And, you know, we don't want to say to people, oh, well, you must use that service. So if they're really adamant that they want to use us, 
we're, we're not going to mm. you know, we're not going to shut the door in someone's face. That's not what we're about. So. And also, you were saying when we when I first arrived there today that it's the demographics of actual people who do need help has changed so tremendously. Not to be embarrassed and still to come in. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's. Um, there is definitely a certain, certainly with individuals that have maybe worked all their lives, there's maybe sometimes a fear of coming in because they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to let myself be known or anything like that. So one thing that's, that's quite interesting, um, so we obviously, we have to record in, like who accesses our service. We we are bound by the Data Protection Act. We do not release that information outside of outside of our organisation, and that, that that data is only accessible by our front of house team and our management to make sure that things are being done properly um, but the reason we capture that information is so that we can keep track of how many times someone accesses a food bank now typically what we found in the past was people obviously come in they've accessed our services they've not been fussed about releasing their information because they're like yeah it's fine I know I'm here for that nowadays certainly with families and individuals accessing our services that are maybe more nervous about coming in they're like well I don't want, I don't, I don't want to give my name I want it to be completely honest unfortunately we can't do that um, but what I, what I always say to people in that situation is, look, we're not here to, we're not selling you data. We, you know, we have a data protection policy. It's perfectly available online. You can read it. You can see what the reason why we capture this information is purely for administrative purposes. Um, but also, we re- we're also really mindful that the reason people are doing that is because there is that feeling of embarrassment and that feeling of shame of accessing a food bank. But I'll be completely honest, if I found myself in that situation, I would access it purely on the basis that there's way more benefit than, than sitting at home starving in a, in a pool of your own pride. Do you know what I mean? There's, mm. there's no re- that People shouldn't hold on to, too tightly to that, I don't think. That, that yes, you may have to access that service, but you live in a very different world to the one that your parents grew up in. Um, and certainly in terms of finance, I mean, you can look at all manner of different things. But one really great example of it is the fact that uh, the average income in the last ten, uh, well, in the last twenty-five years, has, has maybe gone up by thirty percent. But the average house price has gone up by three hundred percent. So when you actually look at the world and the demographic and the nature of how things are, there is, you know, of course, people are going to be in a different situation to what maybe their parents were or what maybe people around them may be because mm. the expense, the cost, everything is up through the roof. So, yeah. and, and changing circumstances. I mean, I think I've, I've heard it said that most of us with, um, with no income, say loss of a job or something like that, how many people have actually got three months worth of money that they've saved up that they can live on? Oh, that's Not, it, isn't it? You, know, no one you does. just don't have it, uh, no matter no. how much. I mean, we, we've had people access our services for all manner of different reasons, and often it is purely financial in nature. And it's often that they don't have that financial buffer. So in, 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 another, in another job, I was, I was once a financial consultant and my, my role very much was to talk people through um, budgeting, finances and, and saving, you know, for that old school mentality of saving for today, tomorrow and the future. Yeah. And as much as it's an old fashioned concept, it's very, very good because it does <laughs> set you up for that. But there's, there's also being realistic and often people don't have that when when rent is is through the roof when you know when fuel bills are beyond belief when mm. to be honest when the the cost of, of food is going up and up and up people don't have the luxury of being able to say well do you know what i'm saving for a rainy day mm. because you're in the rainy day you're in the rainy day and now. that's the challenge and so mm. i think that that often you know people think well maybe there's something wrong with me maybe there's something wrong with my income and maybe the, maybe i'm just in the wrong job maybe i'm not clever enough maybe i'm not 
financially aware enough and to be honest if you actually compared your, your your balance checks and balance sheet to the next person the person next door you probably find you both in exactly the same situation mm. um, some people are just more uh, better at putting on a good show maybe showing a good face to it yeah um, but the reality is is that poverty doesn't have a definition anymore uh, pov- i think poverty is much more um is all people in a very universal variety. unfortunately it's becoming universal mm. yeah and i think that we have to be mindful of that and we also have to be wise to the fact that the collectively those that are more fortunate do have a responsibility to to support mm. um we can't just look at it as and sort of go well, well that's unfortunate for them because do you know what it might be you one day and that's something that me and my wife are very passionate about is that you know we want to we want to support people as much as we can because we know that one day it could be us that sat on the other side of the fence going can someone help us and if no one if no one's there to help you then you know what, mm. what what hope what hope have we got and what sort of a world do we live in if we can't exactly. help those that are less fortunate than ourselves i absolutely agree and mm. it, it breaks my heart when you think that i think it's, it's mindsets and, and mentalities things like the idea you know charity begins at home mm. you know that, that's what circular and insular logic will always lead to to worsening of situations whereas if we think you know actually we want to be a blessing and we want to be hope to to all people irrespective of who they are where they've come from and that's the thing about us as a food bank we're we're not we're not a target we don't have a target audience what we have is 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 we want to help and Mm. that's 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 ultimately where we're at you know Mm. we see that we see ourselves as as trying to alleviate poverty and and help people in sickness or in health wherever it is we just want to be a blessing and we want to be a hope for it and that really falls you know from from us as a church you know we have that mentality that that you know we want to be a light to people we want to be a, we want to be hope to the hopeless we want to be blessing to, to people who are un, who are unfortunate people want to be help where people have never found support before and mm-hmm. we found that as we make ourselves available that actually more and more need presents itself and it's not just to do with finance it's not just to do with the economy it's not just to do that it's actually to do with the fact that, that there is a lot of need out there that people maybe misunderstand or misappropriate the idea of, of need but actually that really there is an absolute need out there that people just need support and help mm. so yeah <laughs> thank you very much peter you're doing a wonderful job oh, thank here you. No, it, it's, it's the team honestly the the team we have the around team. us are mm. amazing the yes. the volunteers that, that give their time so freely and um, i mean we had five people helping our food bank last week uh, last night um, each and every one of them completely sold out to the idea that they just want to help the community mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing people our team we we encourage our team you know there's there's many things that they can do but the best thing that they can do is just to be available mm-hmm. um, and just to be there for people because that's what people need is, is mm-hmm. availability and the they don't they don't need everything that you've got but they you know your, your time is probably more precious than you'll ever realize yes. and that's something that they're recognizing and something our team are very good at now that they just give out as much as they can and mm. it's it's amazing to see the impact it makes mm. so yeah no it's it's wonderful it's wonderful so thank you very much that was great no thank you thank you for listening to today's episode If you're interested in exploring further and seeing some of life inside Yorkshire, then check out the Patreon site, Susan Inside Yorkshire. The link is in the show notes alongside my details if you want to get in touch with me. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next episode. Until next time then, this is Susan signing out from Inside Yorkshire.